Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. Well, good morning. It's always a blessing to bring the word of the Lord, and uh, I just, I'm a Christmas fan. Uh, before we start, I, I want to make some Christmas confessions to you. Uh, just a few of them. One of them was sparked by just singing that one song during the offering. But uh, some Christmas confessions. Um, I've never seen a Christmas Hallmark movie, and I'm going to die that way. Um, and even somebody in my family tried to use her uh, old age and closer to death than me uh, against me and said, just watch one with me. And I said, I will not let your fear of death manipulate me. So, uh, <laughs> mom, um, and uh, I won't. She can watch it with Jesus. Uh, but uh, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of turkey, uh, except I did have one recently that I was like, okay, I like turkey lunch meat better than most turkey. Um, that song we sang, where we, I used to think as a kid, because we didn't have like overheads like this, we used the, the old school, and then the, the older lady in the church always got it off set, so you didn't really see. I used to think we were just very Southern, and we said, uh, bring him, Lord. Uh, I didn't know it was loud. Uh, I always used to say, bring him, Lord, and we're just very Southern in our Christmas. Uh, and I was like in college, and I was like, oh, that makes more sense, because I didn't really understand the line uh, there. Um, and uh, I, I, I am really motivated by uh, the Griswold family and trying to have as many lights as possible uh, in my life. Um, so I'm always looking to get more and more and more. Uh, but my favorite, and this isn't a confession unless it's a good confession, thing is that I just can't get enough of Luke chapter 2. Uh, the story of the arrival of Jesus on planet Earth. You just, I mean, it just, it blows me away. And my favorite part is the one we're talking about today with the, with the shepherds and the whole scene that none of us can figure out. And I think Josh Wilson said it last night in the concert when he sang Silent Night, but it was anything but a silent night, uh, even though it's a great song to sing and it's very worshipful. Um, so today we're talking about worshiping as we look at the heart of Christmas in this series. And our big idea today is that, is that we worship because Jesus is worth it. That, that's why we worship, uh, because he's worth it. Worth it. And, and so I just, I'm going to read the scene and, and make some comments along the way. But just imagine the scene that night. I mean, this is the shepherds. There were the graveyard shift shepherds, right? Uh, I don't know if the night ones, you're, just, you're better because you can fend off the wolves at night or it's really graveyard and you're the bottom of the barrel. We don't really know. But shepherds weren't like, you know, no, they, they smelled, they, they sounded probably a little, little funny because they just hung them out around themselves. They didn't get to be with society as much. They, they were with sheep all the time. Uh, and they probably, you know, were kind of dirty and uh, they didn't mind sleeping, you know, in the front of a gate so that stuff couldn't get the sheep. But this is the graveyard shift of shepherds in the hills um, at the time of Jesus' birth. And so I'm gonna start it off in verse eight. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep, doing, doing their job. So they're, they're living normal lives. They're just getting by. Uh, every year is probably the same as the last year, uh, except maybe more gray hair, uh, more wrinkles, more cuts on their hands. 
Uh, nothing really changes for them. And then this one night that would become the night of all time, the night of all time, God himself in human form on planet earth, the hillsides, you know, lit up brighter than, than the, the hottest sunny day in, in the middle of, uh, of the sunshine season. The night sky goes from darkness to light. Even that moment fulfilling a prophecy from Isaiah that, that there will be those in, in darkness, uh, in deep darkness, and shadows will be upon them, and then, and then the promised Messiah will come, and he will bring light from heaven, truth for all of us. So the shepherds turn to find this angel standing right in front of them. Verse 9, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. One angel surrounds them with the radiance of God's glory. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. That statement, in some form or fashion, do not fear, don't be afraid, have no fear, is said more than any statement, I think, in the New Testament. <laughs> don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find the baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. I mean, if that wasn't enough, <laughs> that one angel with the glory of the Lord, then, then added to that, the entire sky gets lit up by what's called a, the angel armies, the hosts of, of heaven, all the angels of heaven in all their radiance, as far as the eye could see, beyond what they could visibly see, just in the sky, they're just praising God. They had been as created beings, because angels are created beings, they had been waiting for this moment since whatever their creation was. We don't know how far back they go. However far back they go, they've been waiting for this moment. There will be a day when our Jesus that made us is going to go down. He's going to be a baby. And so all throughout the, the course of humanity up to this point, which is right around, you know, uh, B.C. 3, so, you know, three years before we get into our modern times, so what, 2,025 years ago, roughly, they had been watching babies be born and all this stuff uh, up to that point, and, 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 and they knew what it was like for a baby to be born. They knew what it was like for, uh, for, for a mom to have a kid and, and all that, so they were waiting. They're like, Gee, our Jesus is gonna become one of those somewhere down the line, and they've been waiting, and then they get, God says, hey, go, celebrate this. You've been waiting Celebrate this with them. Help them to understand the bigness of this moment. And we read in verse 13, suddenly this angel joined by the vast hosts of others, the armies of heaven, praising God, saying glory to God in the highest and peace on earth with whom God is pleased. God was on earth now in human form, one of us now to save everyone, it says, when the angels had returned to heaven. So they, their worship night was over and they're going back to heaven. The shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened that the Lord has told us about. I mean, if that wasn't enough that we saw these guys telling us about, let's actually go see him. 
So they're like, let's go. Let's, let's see this in person. They hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby, Jesus, lying in the manger. And after seeing Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. Doesn't say all believed. I would imagine a lot believed. But all were amazed, astonished, blown away. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. So she held that for later worship, for later times of need, for what was to come that she didn't understand, but she had been told about, and she knew the prophecies, and she knew the, what the end of the Messiah's life would be, but like, this is my baby. And so she tucked that away. Sometimes we got to tuck things away for later. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told him, told them. They saw God. They heard from God. They, they knew that God wanted them, wanted to be in their lives, wanted, wanted relationship with them. They all of a sudden understand he's a personal God. He didn't come just to hang out with the kings and the priests and the ones dressed nice and not smelly and, and not working graveyard shifts. He came, he came for us and he came to us first. I mean, that's the kind of God we have. He's so personal. He wants everyone from the richest and the most powerful and the most kingly to the, to the most broken the most down on their luck, uh, the most overlooked. He wants them all because, because he knows I'm the only way that anyone can be saved. I, I know that a personal relationship with me is the only way anyone can be pulled out of whatever they're in. Pride to, to brokenness. Uh, I got it all on my own to I can't do anything on my own. And everywhere in between to to I, I never sin, which is sin, uh, to, to uh, I'm just a sinner and, and no one can get me out of all of this sin. When he hung on the cross, forgiveness for all, for all time. But he started out as a baby amongst us. He started out that humble. God on earth in human form, one of us to save all of us. And these shepherds, their lives would never be the same. I mean, maybe they, maybe they went back over time. People fade a lot. The, the only part of the story we get is they went back just like, woo, man, let's just glorify God. He, we're, there's no more angels. The baby's over there. You know, people heard and were blown away, but let's just keep glorifying God. So they started off right, and, and my hope is they lived that way. But people can choose over time to even get bored with the king of kings in their own presence, in their own lives. But here's the thing that's a guarantee. True worship, living it out, not just singing, which is great. It's a great way to start. It's a great way to, to, to worship. It's a great way to, to, to build that habit. But true worship changes the heart, and it never goes back. The enemy and the world will always try to suck us back in, and usually for the believer, it's to just get us cold to, uh, bored with, uh, kind of, I don't know, soft to uh, the reality that we have the king of kings in our lives and, and just get us off track in our minds. 
and it, we go on the slippery slope, and then, of course, to the world who's not saved yet, wants to just keep the lies heightened, uh, keep the selfishness and the pain and the hate and the ought and the fear at this high level, and then you're the only one to figure it out, but you can't figure it out, so uh, just live hard until you die. That's the enemy's lie to humanity. But true worship changes the heart. It changes the way we, we think, changes the way we act. It, it changes the way we, we relate to one another and the way we react to one another and situations. Because we can react to our, our neighbor, our coworker, our, our spouse, um, our friend in, in, a, in a negative way if there's something broken between us. But we can also look on, online or watch the news or, or see things happening and, and, and the same kind of reaction can come out and they don't even know we're reacting to them. But this, this ugh comes out and God's like, Hey, I, I came to bring peace on earth, goodwill to men. So if I came to bring that to you, you got to be the ones to live it out. I left so the Holy Spirit could go inside of the life of a believer so that you can live that out. That's worship. When you live peaceful in the midst of stress, that's worship. When you live hopeful in, in a world of hopelessness, that's worship. When you are loving, when the world says rage, when you, are, when you are loving, when the world says fight back, when you, are, when you are loving and you forbear people's sins and you show grace and mercy in the midst of maybe them acting wrong or the world situation acting wrong, that's worship because you can't muster that up yourself. Only the spirit of the living God in you can, can give that to you to give that away and that's when you're a walking billboard for Jesus, and when you're a walking billboard for Jesus, it's a life of worship. Because again, you can't manufacture that. I can manufacture a lot of things for a period of time, but it won't be real unless the Spirit is just living from me. My old uh, uh, pastor and mentor in Omaha, who's face-to-face -face with Jesus now, he used to say, let, let Jesus out. When I, would be, when, I, when I was struggling, like with a, a family member or a situation or some, uh, something, he's like, Scott, just let Jesus out. He'll do good. And I'm like, I don't want Jesus out because then he'll do nice. And I want to not do nice, you know. And uh, I want payback. Payback's good. The world says payback's great. Payback, payback, payback. I want the worst thing to happen to that person. But if that's ever me, be nice. So let Jesus out. If you let Jesus out in every situation, every relationship, you're worshiping. It's not just singing again, although that's awesome. A lifestyle of worship is Jesus involved in every aspect of my life. But like for these shepherds, imagine their, their lives after this. They had to choose daily to worship God or they would fade. How about us? We're, those of us who are saved, we're saved. We have met Jesus he has saved us for all eternity. He has forgiven us of our sins. He has given us a new life on planet earth and an eternal place to call home with him. That's our life as followers of Jesus. And yet, sometimes we fade or we forget or we get bored of. Can you imagine seeing that scene? Anybody ever thought about what it would have been like to be one of the shepherds in that scene? Can you imagine later on, 10 years later, being like, yeah, it's kind of boring. We do that. We've met Jesus. He saved us. He literally, God himself died for us and then offered us a gift of eternal life and we're saved and yet sometimes we still get bored. It's like, wow, that was then. I want something fresh. Well, the Holy Spirit's always fresh, let me tell you. Amen. And Jesus was willing to start at the lowest place. 
how humble and how personal. He started the lowest place, totally helpless, relying on humanity to keep the creator alive. In a, in a manger, that's a nice way of saying horse trough, right? He's in a feeding bin in, in, a, in a barn, basically. That's how he came into the world, to show us it's not about pomp and circumstance. It's about relationship and caring for one another and having, being in this community where you, you give and you take and you, you're there for and, you're, and you're, 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 you're relying on one another as imperfect and messy as we can be at times. But there that night, hope arrived on the scene. We'd always had hope, always, because with God there's always hope. But it was prophesied that there, that there would come a time when everything would change and then after he came on earth that there would be a time later on in his life when he would kill death and end the, the grave and, and, and shame the enemy for all of his horrors in, in, in humanity. And this was the beginning of Easter. So I love, I'm excited about Christmas more and that, that unplugged Christmas we're gonna have because we're gonna look at love incarnate that we remember at Christmas that leads us to Easter, which is why we're ending Christmas morn with communion because Christmas begins Easter in the scope of salvation of mankind. So have you had an encounter with Jesus? How many of you have had an encounter with Jesus in your life? Those that didn't raise your hands, you better be up here at the altar because we want to either pray for you or we need to pray for your false humility. Um, but... You've had an encounter, you've met him, so are you living worshiping him? Is that your lifestyle in every area of your life? Because Christmas is about worshiping. Christmas is about a lot of things. One of them is worshiping Jesus with our everyday lives. And here's why. I mean, you look at the, the opening line of the angels in, in verse 10. I bring you, individual human being. Good news that will bring great joy to all people everywhere for all time until the end of days when everything begins again with him. He brings it to you. And it's good news. That's gospel. That's you're saved, you're forgiven, your relationship with God, and nothing can snatch you out of the Father's hands. The good news of Jesus is something we celebrate because it's personal. I bring you. It's, it's uplifting, great joy. And it's for everyone, everywhere, for all time. That's why he says all people. No matter what you've done or where you find yourself or what's going on in your relationships or your health or your job or, or, or your finances, uh, with, with, your, with your kids, with your parents, with your loved ones, with your neighbors, no matter what. He's there for you. No matter how great things are going for you now or how hard things are for you in these days, God loves you and he's with you and he's for you. I love when we sing the, the, the blessing song and we just say over and over, he is for you. He is for you. He is for you. I, I just, we need to get that in our, in our minds. We need to get that in our hearts. We need to let that be what our soul says. I'm gonna choose today to live this way because he is for me. I'm going to respond this way because he's for me. 
I'm not going to react like I, my flesh wants to react. I'm going to react like Jesus would react because he's for me. How we worship, when we worship, that we even worship, it shows where our hearts are and where our hope lies. Oh, Scott, Scott, it's just tough to worship during these times because Christmas is a, is a hard season because of X, Y, Z. I, I get it. People have, uh, some people have bad memories. It should never, memories and your past cannot stop you from living right for Jesus and with Jesus. So here's the thing. I, I'm not saying that didn't exist, so just pretend it didn't exist and, and Christmas should be easy and, and, and rainbows and puppy dogs, but deal with the stuff in your heart. Forgive, be set free, be healed, get into a freedom prayer appointment, uh, come to cultivate, learn who you are in Jesus and, and how to walk into freedom and healing. But deal with that stuff so that you stop using the, yeah, but Christmas is hard because. Life is hard because Satan, right? Life is hard because sin. Life is hard because of Scott and his flesh. However, Scott's been redeemed. And so the spirit of the living God in me says, you know what? I don't care if life is hard. Jesus is for me. He's worthy of my worship. I worship him because he's worthy. Days come and days go. Life changes and moves forward. Things change constantly around us. Your heart and your mind are pushed and pulled by the normal stuff of life, not even the the extra that goes on. So no matter what you're going through this Christmas, Why don't you just worship in every aspect of your life? Let let this season that we're very much reminded of Jesus, there's other things, but Jesus is the the reason, and we're very much reminded of him. It's it's easy to be reminded. Songs and and family and, and, and church and just all the stuff that is centered around Jesus, it's easy to be reminded of him. So let this season where it's so easy to think of him be the start for a habit in your life of worshiping him in every area. Start a habit of praise, of worship in all aspects of your life this month. I want you to watch this video uh, and be encouraged to do this that you're going to see. So when we first started coming to HCF, uh, I really just thought of worship as just singing along with songs And as we started coming here, uh, you could just feel the energy in the sanctuary uh, that there was conversation going on uh, between the people and God. And I guess I never really looked at it like that. I more of just thought of worship as just, you know, just saying the words. Um, But as we kept coming here, it was just kind of like this new form of uh, our relationship being formed with with me and God and like I would be actually like worshiping like singing my heart out to him and then it wasn't just like one-sided like I would receive uh, I would like receive words or pictures back from the Lord um, and worship just became like a whole new chapter of uh, our relationship. And so I think what really kind of comes to mind, probably because it's so fresh on our minds, we've got three young kids, four, two, and almost six months. And um, just the idea of when I think about worship, um, I think about being a parent and a parent of three young kids. And um, just from 
the first time I heard that uh, she was pregnant with Eli and then uh, beginning to walk through pregnancy and um, there's highs, there's lows, and then praise God when the, the kid gets here and then there's more highs and then there's more lows. Um, and just how the that we are called to worship Him throughout all those points, even when it's hard. And that's been some of the most intimate and deep encounters with the Lord that I've experienced. By worshiping, you are being obedient to God. I mean, He tells you to worship. Uh, and even one of the Psalms, uh, David talks about how uh, worshiping is a sacrifice to God. So it's not always gonna be like handy dandy, great. Even at those moments, whenever you're you're bouncing an infant at 2 a.m. in the morning on an exercise ball or maybe literally cry out uh, to the Lord. So it's one of those, those worshipful moments that's not the most fun. Um, he, is, he is present um, and He cares about us deeply. Um, and like Kels said, um, David is a great example of that all throughout the Psalms of worshiping God at highs, at lows, difficult and easy. And um, it's just so, it's honestly just so neat um, to follow Jesus and serve a God who is, who is that way, who's so relational um, and so intimate uh, with us. Um, and it's so cool uh, to, to just experience Him daily through worship in so many different ways. So, you know, singing is probably the easiest way to, to make worship a lifestyle and begin it. And I encourage you, don't, don't let your singing just be in here. Uh, have, have worship music like invading your life, but but let singing, if that's the easiest way to start, carry over into your life. Read the Bible, just dwell on Jesus, just dwell on the love of God. Talk to Him when you wake up, when you're driving to work, when you're on your lunch hour, while you're driving home. That that lines up with what goes all the way back to the Old Testament, what's always been uh, told to us. Just dwell on Him throughout the day. Sit next to a fireplace or a, a fire pit outside and, and just think Jesus. Just let the stuff of life go and think Jesus. And, and the reason is because he's worth it. He's worth it. He's either worth it to you or he's not. Well, Scott, I, I, do, I go on Sundays. Okay, so he's worth an hour and 15 minutes to you. <laughs> I would not want an hour and 15 minutes to dictate whether somebody's really worth it to me in the, in the context of an entire week. Just let Jesus invade your life and see how worshiping Jesus will change everything. I guarantee you, if you worship Jesus in every aspect of your life, you will come back a month later and go, he really does change things. He really does. It really happens. But we do have to start this habit just like if you're starting healthy, if, if fast food and, and you know, Coca-Cola's, no offense, Dennis, are your, are your lifestyle, when you start, uh, you're, you change your habits, you start drinking water instead of brown stuff, except coffee, drink coffee, uh, and you, you don't drive through stuff anymore, you make things, and then you add to that, because that won't do it all, you add to that exercise and walking and and, and even finding healthier, like everything green that's not dyed green. All that stuff, we, we start somewhere, but they let it take us somewhere better. If you're wondering if all this Jesus stuff is real, if it's even real, like, okay, I hear it, and I was taught it, and I, and I come, and I'm supposed to go to church, and uh, Texas are, Texans are conservative, so I, I, it feels better to go. Uh, and you're going, but is he really real? 
Let go for a month of your way and just focus on him and you'll see he's worth it. If you struggle with life overwhelming you and the heaviness of responsibility and and Jesus doesn't seem to make a difference even if you wish he would. Like, I wish you would, but you don't seem to. I gotta go. Uh, Stop your way this month. Worship him in all those areas where it's you-centered. Or maybe you're just looking at other people and it's they-centered. Just stop that and worship him and you'll see he's worth it. If health or family or a job or society owns your heart, because what owns your attention owns your devotion is what you worship. So if they own your heart, keeping up with the Joneses or a job promotion or a bank account or my health or whatever it is owns your heart, give that brain space and that heart space to Jesus for a month and you'll see. Worship Jesus because he's worth it. It'll make a difference. And Jesus says, that's what you've got to do. It's the number one thing to do. Matthew 22 tells us, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. It's written in red. It's the first and greatest commandment. Loving God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, that's worship. He's telling us how to worship here. Jesus says it's the number one thing God calls all humans to do. Everything that exists in your heart Every decision you make with your soul, everything that occupies space in your mind that you think about and then dwell on, man, love God and honor him in that. Think Jesus, act Jesus, be Jesus. And then Jesus goes on to say, naturally flowing from your life will be great relationships because you'll love people the way Jesus loved people, selflessly, unconditionally, full of grace, full of mercy, forbearing their sins, forgiving them even if they don't ask. You'll have amazing relationships everywhere. And, and what is the evidence of you as a worshiper, of that being your lifestyle? I was thinking about this this week. Uh, you know, I used to live in, in Hawaii. I lived in Maui for six plus years. And it was always easy to convince people I lived in Maui. They'd look at me and they'd be like, well, where do you live? And I'd say Maui, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, because I was dark, dark tan, and I had bleached blonde hair. And so the evidence of me living in Maui to them said he lives on the beach all the time. It wasn't a hard one. I had a tan, and my hair was bleached blonde, and they were like, yeah, that looks like a beach life. So what's the evidence of you following Jesus? Can people look at you and say, I'm a Christian, and they're like, You? Uh, I saw what you did the other day. I heard you. Or do, they, or do you say, hey, I'm a believer in Jesus, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's everything I ever heard Jesus was. Spot on. When you're with him, and he's the object of your affection, and you're worshiping him as a lifestyle, not just singing on Sundays, as a lifestyle, the evidence will be easy to see. I mean, the author of Psalm 46 tells us, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. And I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in this earth. 
To be still and know that he is God is worship. I'm going to stop with all the stuff and the sound and the noise and the, the pursuits except for pursuing you. But I'm really going to pursue you by just being with you. When you spend time with, just with God, people notice your tan. Okay? Now, if I was cheesy, I'd say your son tan because he's the son. But that's on you. Right? <laughs> Sometimes cheesy does speak truth. It's just still cheesy. But you wanted to notice you're a Jesus person, a Jesus follower, a little Jesus. That's a Christian. They were mocked for how they lived their lives. They called them Christians to mock them because they were little Jesuses. Okay. <laughs> sure. It's like saying, you're nice. <laughs> oh, okay. Be in his presence and then his presence will be seen just in your life. Just be with them. Don't mail it in. Don't do a checklist thing. Don't, don't bring your wish list and be like, I got to say this as fast as possible, just like that seed in the Christmas story before Santa pushes me down the slide. And you just say, okay, Jesus, do that. I got to go. No, just be with him. He'll give you everything you need beyond what you think you need. Just be in his presence. People will notice. Be in the presence of God, the living God, because Jesus is worth it. He's worth your time, and he loves being with you. He loves being your friend, your brother. He loves that. So don't deny him of what he loves so much, which is your presence. People will notice when you live a lifestyle of worship. You're at peace when the world isn't. You are hopeful when there's hopelessness. You don't get ruffled at what people say or do or what the news tells you. Just worship him with your life. Because if you're looking for the negative or the payback or to get ahead, you're just, you're living the way the world dictates. And there's no evidence of Christ there. Jesus came to serve, to live for, to eventually die for, to give his life for lost people and the entire planet. So live your life in that same mentality for others. He's for you. You're good. House money. Now live for others because you're in his presence. And people will be drawn to the peace of the redeemer that's just in you. But only because you worship him as a lifestyle. And some of us here Maybe you need to just start worshiping way out of your doldrums. You're in the doldrums of something in your life. Maybe you just need to worship your way out of that. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to worship him with a couple songs. And I encourage you just to have conversation. Have a conversation with God, with Jesus, with, with the Holy Spirit in you. Help me live a lifestyle of worship. Help me live it out. Help me uh, to, to give you my work life, my home life, my relationship life. Help me to give you in, in a way of worship, even give you that person that is so against me and, and making my life miserable. Help me to, to love them the way you loved them at the cross. Help me to want to be in their presence. He wanted to be in your presence, so he came down to a, a sinful, broken earth. 
So are you willing to be in the presence of sinful, broken people acting wrong just to bring them light and life? They might be the ones in the deep shadows of darkness and in the darkness. And Jesus is saying, you're the best opportunity at light I have for them. So would you just be in their presence and love them for me? I can't be there right now in person, but I can be in there. I can be there for them right now through your person. So whether you need to recommit your lifestyle of worship to him or you need to just say, Jesus, help me to start. Man, let, this is a great season to start. Christmas is a T-ball season for starting great things about Jesus because we're so reminded of him. And the world is willing to accept so many more things during this season than it normally would. Maybe somehow it's a facade, but I mean, he just kept working on me and working on me and working on me until I relented. So there might be the moment for someone to see. You might be at Christmas or at a Christmas party or something. You might be the first person they really see as Jesus, but you gotta start as a worshiper. So Jesus, we give you these moments, we give you these songs. I pray you break through the stuff that's maybe keeping us uh, at bay with you or keeping a lid on or uh, like, the, like a governor on, a, on, a, on, a, on an engine that won't, just, won't let us go into high gear and, and really race hard. Would you just remove that barrier in any of our lives that would stop us from being worshipers as a lifestyle in every facet of our lives? If there's one area or two areas, or every area of our life that we're holding back our worship, would you help us to turn that over to you today, right now? Even in an act of, of just, just showing something, we just, we just say, here, here, I'm just going to turn my work life. I'm going to turn my relationships life. I'm going to turn my, um, my, my checklist of wrongdoers that I'm holding stuff against life over to you. I want to be a worshiper. I want to be like you, Jesus, because I'm just with you, and that's all I can act like. Help us to live that out, because you're worth it. We worship you because you're worth it, and I'm so grateful that you want to do life with us. Minister to us, Jesus, in your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.